The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. We are the Borg, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. You will listen. Resistance is futile. You must comply. Winery at Podfleet Command. Boy, I really wish we had one of those. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, it, I mean, yeah. Forget that. Let's. Oh, when, I can we actually build a winery? We can do whatever we want. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, wine consumers all over the galaxy and non-wine consumers, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host Bill Smith. This is episode number two hundred ninety-four. And you've already heard his dulcet tones, um, and I'm sorry for that. I really am, because if you get to the outtake, Oop. you're going to wonder why you've listened that long. Um, he's the largely questionable Dan Davidson, and Dan, um, I, I think this should be the new Podfleet Command headquarters, a winery. I, th- I think that's a great, I got plenty of land right out my window right here. We can build a winery, and what I think is we should put like a 500-gallon tank underground like you do for propane, fill it with wine, and set a tap in the kitchen. So we just pour that wine and whenever we want. Fill it with some wine and get some cheese. I have some concerns. Uh, ah. The first of which is it's not warm here year-round, and I would that's kind of a requirement for me. Oh, we'll have heaters and everything. We'll no, get, no, no. We'll, I don't want to live anywhere where it snows. <laughs> well, we can pipe it to way down to where you go. That'd be a long pipe, but you know. Um, or we could just build it's a winery. It's great to be here, pal. Yeah. Thank you. We <laughs> we start talking about wine, and we're just we're off oh, on, a, on a tangent. I think I've had too much already. Um, I wish you would start, because that would make you far more intelligible. <laughs> um, but here we are. Speaking of wineries, we have a, a great topic on tap today. Um, for those who have not seen it, you, you may want to take heed of a s- potential spoiler alert. But uh, yes. we're going we're gonna to talk about um, some Star Trek yeah. Picard. 
We are. Um, season two wrapped up quite a while ago, and, and for those of you who haven't seen it, like Bill said, this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode, so you probably want to just skip right ahead to the amazing uh, outtake that we did uh, already, and you'll enjoy that. But uh, we're going to talk season two of Picard. We're going to talk about all the things we liked, if there was anything that we didn't like, what we're looking forward to seeing in the future, and, and I, for one, had a fantastic time watching season two, and I'm looking forward to the discussion, buddy. I had a fantastic time watching season two, although it does strike me as two very different seasons mixed into oh, yeah. one, yes. something that we will talk about in just a bit. Um, suffice it to say um, that it is going to be a, a a pretty epic conversation because you've got Q in the mix. You've got mm. some alternate timeline stuff in the mix you've got mm-hmm. some uh expo you know so, some ex- exploration of the human mind stuff in the mix yes but um if and we did bulk. that with if we did that with you it would be a very short episode. very short conversation i mean we'd be done already bye Vi- <laughs> So Halloween is coming, and that means some pretty special stuff could be coming your way from Science Division. Absolutely. All this month, they've been posting their daily Tribble Halloween cosplay photos on their social media, and you definitely got to give them a follow to check this out. They're just so much fun. Plus, keep in mind the giant silver limited edition Tribble is more than halfway sold out already. At this rate, they could be gone by year's end, and you definitely want to get yours now because once they're gone... No more of the giant silver Tribbles will be imported from the Tribble homeworld. Aww. Well, plus, did we also mention that the Tribbles are interactive? Yep, the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. It's not necessary to have it, but it is a lot of fun to make it scream at people like incredibly awesome podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however. Right, that's right, I said it. Everyone except Bill knows. That's right. You guessed it. <laughs> Tribbles are not dangerous, my friend. Uh, uh, mm. Yeah. But you should get your Tribble today. Head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive Tribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessory section where you can get all kinds of Science Division gear like mugs or tank tops, just like the one Dan is wearing right now. Mm. Or since, you know, autumn is here in the U.S., maybe even a nice snuggly warm sweatshirt to keep yourself warm on these crisp fall days that we're having right now. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun, and we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. As always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, absolutely we do, man. It's mid-October, and that means that there are some new pins coming your way from fansets, and they are really beautiful. First off, we have the return of the Star Trek Discovery Delta, and as usual, it's available in both pin and magnet form. And the two newest pins from the XL Ships line are available, and believe me, they are absolutely gorgeous. I know because I'm looking at both of mine right now, right in front of me here at my monitors, you can get both the USS Defiant and the USS Voyager right now over at fansets.com. 
And hey, they just got a bunch of Deltas back in stock. So if you missed your chance to get the Section 31 Delta, the TMP Delta, or the Prodigy Delta, you can get them all right now over at, uh, what's that site again? Oh, that's right. You guessed it. Fansets.com. And those XL ships are so great. Believe us, friends, you're going to want to get your hands on them. So what are you waiting for? These and over 400 other great Star Trek pins are waiting for you over at fansets.com. Look, we say it every single episode. Head on over to fansets.com, put those XL ships and those deltas that Dan mentioned, put them all in your cart along with some accessories or gift cards or maybe even some more pins. And then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we... Oh, Bill, Bill, it looks like we have a special transmission coming into Podfleet Command right now. We got uh, we got to answer this hail, buddy, because our friend Lou from Fansets has some really big news that he wants to share with our listeners right now. Good morning, Daniel, and hello to the Star Trek universe. Well, speaking of Star Trek universe, uh, we got some pretty cool new announcements from Fansets coming. Um, everybody who listens to the show knows that I love the Women of Trek series that you guys have been doing for a couple of years. I absolutely love glitter. Um, I don't wear it, or I'm, I'm not going to admit that I wear it, uh, but I do love it. And um, we have something <laughs> very big on the way from Fansets, which is kind of related to the Women of Trek. So why don't you let us know what's coming very soon from you guys? Uh the women line is kind of being absorbed over to uh for for really good reasons to our new universe of track lines uh which will encompass all characters all you know aliens creatures it'll be all over the place it'll allow us to expand the art uh, abilities of what we've done with the women of Trek line. And you've had, you and Bill have had a chance to see five of the newest ones coming. Uh, and they're just absolutely outstanding. I mean, it's, they, they will be moving in. We'll, we'll be moving slowly out of doing micro crew characters mm-hmm. and replacing it with this line. Yeah, as that's you not to say we won't still do an occasional micro crew character, but uh, this will be the main focus going forward for characters. Oh, that's fantastic! I'm a big fan of the micro crew pins, but I love these. And as you mentioned, Bill and I have had a chance to take a look at the uh, at the first five, and um, they really are spectacular. I'm I'm guessing that the first one is going to be the iconic Captain Kirk. Is that correct? Yeah how can you how can you start anything in Star Trek without having the first face on? the Star Trek Mount Rushmore, which is Captain Kirk. So that's, that's why we're leading off with him. We're touching many of the different series with the first five. And there's that, that is the first five of 30 new characters that we have in art and in process right now. Unbelievable. And I got to tell you, the detail, as always, with your pins, Lou, is fantastic. Um, you got the the great image of Kirk with with the captain's braids and circling uh, the pin. And also one of the ones that's going to be my all time favorite is you've got a wonderful Captain Cisco pin uh, that's in art right now that looks fantastic. And what I like so much about this one is is the the circle that he's in. Part of the circle is actual is looks like baseball stitching because we know uh, how big a fan of baseball it is. So as usual, you and John have taken great care in the detail and what you're going to be showing with all of these pins. 
Well, uh, thank you. And that's, we pride ourselves on our originality. Hardly anything we do comes out of a style guide. It's all original art. And this allows us to not just make the character, but step into what makes the character. Uh, and, and that's, you know, you, you picked up on the baseball. There'll also be stuff on the back of the pin that will be a little more commemorative to what we're doing with the universe of Trek. So, uh, good, good, good grab and good catch on, on seeing that right out of the gate. Oh, no, I think it's great. Um, I think the other ones that are going to be coming out are the first five that you mentioned will be coming soon. We're going to have Captain Rios, of course, from Star Trek Picard. We're also going to have Nurse, Nurse Chapel from Strange New World. So that's a beautiful pin as well. And also one that really uh, caught my attention is you're going to have the two Cetacean Ops, Beluga Whales, Kamalo and Matt, with a very cool uh, uh, Delta, which is the actual Delta for the Cetaceans. Um, I thought it, yes. I think that's really a great one as well. So we got some really great stuff coming from you guys, and I'm sure that the uh, the quality is going to be just like uh, all of the other things that you have put out uh, over the years. Um, can you tease us when in, with any other uh, special things that'll be coming out in the near future well, over at Fansets? We're, we're 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 really going hard, as everyone can tell, with the the Deltas done right. Uh, initiative we've uh we've kind of hit our mark with getting delta two deltas out a month mm -hmm. uh you know with with manufacturing five thousand of these at a time you know there, that creates some hurdles we may have one or two weeks where we have to skip we'll have other star trek product but you know it, it's just it's it's a, still a crapshoot in manufacturing and delivery so but we're, we've got uh we've got the tng delta which is highly anticipated we yeah. did run into a bit of a manufacturing uh issue when we received them part of the uh the points on the delta were not sunk into the black outer casing and we had to essentially scrub five thousand pieces of magnets and pins that we, we just there's other people that would release it and, and we won't. And mm -hmm. that, that slowed us down probably two or three weeks as we had to go back and get every, the entire order rebuilt. We, we had, if that wouldn't have been the case, those would have already been on street. We would have hit our October delivery sure. that we wanted to, that we talked about in Vegas. It's going to push us back. We might have an outside shot at the end of October, but more realistically, it's going to be early November. And that's cool. I mean, it's worth the wait. I mean, you guys have done that before. I remember the Dr. Flox pin, the, the gloves that he was wearing weren't the right color. You sent the whole batch back. And that's because you guys are big fans like we are, and you're dedicated to the product. And uh, I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. I can't wait for that TNG com badge, man. Well, the, the, uh, our customers hold us to very high standards. We, we try as hard as we can as, mass producing these things you you have to remember we're not making 25 of these with master prop uh people in hollywood we're mm -hmm. we're having to bring it to mass market and that that create you know it's not a resin cast we can't do a metal resin pin so uh to make them right it, it it's a process and i know you know, we we've we've been very aggressive. I'm, I'm not sure anyone has ever rolled out deltas like we have for customers that are officially licensed. So sure. it, 
It's and it, it, that takes up a lot of time, and it's one reason why we're really streamlining down to three or four uh, prime products to to get out there. So the the other thing is, and and we 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 probably have twenty five. We'll have a bunch of more deltas out before the end of the year, but we probably have twenty five in the hopper going right now, and and we. Are yes, we are working on the lower deck section thirty-one. We just we we've got to get, get sign off from <laughs> creators on taking something that was animated and bringing it real. Sure. You know, it, it's it, it's not something where we guess and then delivered. It has there's many channels in this river that have to be touched before it can be on the website for sale. No, it makes perfect sense, man. And, you know, as long as it takes, uh, we know that we're going to get a great product. Um, do you have any type of timeline for the universe of Trek pins? Or is that still just because you got so much going on, it's still up in the air a little bit? I think we'll, we might have Kirk available in December. We will have a holiday pin, which if we get through final approval, this is the first anyone's heard this, uh, will be holiday Murph. And... <laughs> It, it'll be a, it's a beautiful pin. We just, we have, because it's, that's also a Nickelodeon show. There's two touches of licensing that mm-hmm. that has to go through sure. with Nickelodeon and, and uh, CBS. So, but we're, we, we, we're, we're hopeful to have the holiday Murph pin uh, this for the holiday season. We'll have, I think we'll have Kirk out in December. Uh, and then we also have five more ships to our other, uh leg of the chair which will be the uh xl ship line uh coming we just we just released the uh the voyager Mm -hmm. and the defiant and Mm -hmm. we'll we'll see the titan we'll see uh the the enterprise d uh and we'll have some surprises uh, coming for that as well that's great man That, that is a lot of stuff on the way uh, as always, your stuff is awesome. We love you guys. We love the product that you put out. Uh, thanks as always for being the, uh, official sponsor here on the Trek Geeks podcast network. It's always good to catch up with you, buddy. And we will talk to you very soon. Absolutely. Daniel, we couldn't be prouder to be part of your network. It's an honor for us. You guys are the sunlight in the Star Trek universe and we love you guys. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. We love you guys, too, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. All right, Daniel. Thank you. All righty. Well, here we are in the main segment of this week's Trek Geeks. And, of course, for anyone who hasn't seen Star Trek Picard Season 2, we want to give you a spoiler warning. We're going to talk about the whole season and details throughout the season. So if you have not watched it, stop now, unless you don't Bla- care, and you can keep going. Black alert. Black alert. Uh, or or red alert or spoiler alert or whatever alert you want to call it. But yeah. you should stop here if you don't want to be spoiled because we're going to do it. I, I, I sit and have conversations with you all day, so I'm spoiled. Wow. What do you need? I don't know. I thought you were going to say yeah, you're spoiled like meat that's been in the sun all day, but that's okay. Um, wow, this t- really took a turn. I was going to say more like <laughs> more like cheese that's past its date. Um, there you go. Or Pretty similar. Yogurt or whatever. <laughs> um, this, I'm very excited about this conversation. I, I, you probably are more than I. Um, yeah. Because um, 
Star Trek Picard season two elicits a lot of different reactions mm-hmm. from a lot of different people. So yes. let's, let's start with yours as a reaction of the season overall. What did you think? I thought it was phenomenal. Really? Um, I, I really liked a lot of the things they did. They took a lot of chances and I, for one thought they worked well. Um, uh, a lot of people have given um, some negative comments towards Picard season one and its slowness and and everything, and I totally agree with it. Um, I enjoyed Picard season one because it was something new that we have been waiting for after the announcement from Sir Patrick, so I enjoyed it. But but it it, it did have some slow moments, but I thought that um, season two kicked off with a huge bang, and I think it carried for most of the season. There were some parts of the season that got a little in the weeds and got into some very um, um, divisive topics, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But for the most part, Q and Guinan and the Borg and and the, and the Confederation, I love all kinds of aspects like that. You know how I love the Mirror Universe and things like that. So uh, the first couple of episodes just absolutely blew my mind, and it continued pretty much through the whole season. I really enjoyed a lot of the things that they did. I I come at it from a different perspective. I didn't love season two. There are elements about it that I absolutely love. And I think that the first two episodes show an incredible amount of promise. But I think the subsequent eight episodes, at least for me, show a season that really didn't gel together. It was like three separate story ideas that didn't really form a unified story. Mm Mm-hmm. I can totally, I can totally agree with that and understand that. And I do remember at one point, um, uh, like for example, let's go, let's talk about one quick thing yeah. t- to your point real quick. There's one episode where they're back in time and in, in our time in, in the 20th, 21st century and, uh, Raffi and Seven are being chased by the police and they're in a police cruiser driving around and they're driving around for like 15 minutes and a complete waste of time for an episode of them driving around when there could be so much more storytelling going on. So it it had its, it had its moments of complete disjointedness, but at the same time, like you said, the first couple of episodes were incredible and had tremendous promise for the whole season. That particular aspect didn't bother me with them in the police car because I thought there was enough there to propel the story. What did bother me was we went from the story about Q and Picard and, and them being in sort of this alternate timeline to an examination of Picard's um, mind that involved his relationship with his father and ultimately the suicide of his mother to Mm -hmm. trying to make sure the Mars launch happened on time to trying to stop what amounts to a new version of the Borg. There was four completely competing story ideas there and none of them really for me came together well independently stories. I thought they were all fine, but there was nothing that really bound the season together cohesively for me. I haven't looked at it. I haven't looked at it in that aspect. And when you say that you're absolutely right. Now, some of the aspects of the storylines, plural were absolutely phenomenal. Let's talk about the first and second episode real quick. 
I'll say right off the bat, the new Stargazer is one of the sexiest and most amazing starships I have ever seen yeah. in Star Trek. Yeah. It is absolutely gorgeous. I love that Rios was captain. I thought it was a great opening to the show. Um, it was fantastic. And we had this new threat. And the new threat, the the special effects with the new threat and that, that opening in space and what comes out of it are just unbelievable. And then we see this new Borg queen, and that's pretty awesome. And and But it all... It, it all ends when when the stargazer self-destructs and takes out the entire fleet with it. But, oh, boom, Picard's back in his house. And this is what I really loved, is we got the return of John Delancey as Q in this season of Picard. That, I think, is my favorite aspect of this entire season. I said it before, I've got a huge man crush on John Delancey, especially as an older Q. I thought that he was absolutely amazing in this role it was great to see this closure because we've talked about before how q is kind of a it was kind of a character that you know it's it wasn't the greatest character in tng um but for him to be able to to have this final chapter with picard i thought was great and delancey is a class act if anybody has not seen the video of their final shooting scene together which actually wasn't the end of the episode it was when picard and q were in that like the solarium porch area the solarium that was their final scene together and after the take john delancey gave a speech and it's just absolutely wonderful and i recommend anybody go check it out on youtube my big problem with the q storyline was not that q was in it there wasn't enough Q throughout the season. He was mm-hmm. in the second episode pretty heavily. He was in the last episode fairly heavily with a couple of pop-ins throughout the rest of the season, but not much. For mm-hmm. a season that was really teased as sort of Q takes Picard on this journey, there was not enough Q. And I think I that's a that. huge failing of the season. And I think that that's interesting that as a character that wasn't seen very much in TNG had a huge following and a lot of people loved him. We've talked about how he wasn't the greatest character. And then he shows up for this, this, this final uh, showing in season two. And you're absolutely right. He was great in the beginning. He was phenomenal in the end. And in the in the middle, he had a couple of scenes Nothing. where his powers weren't working, Nothing. and he was yelling at Young Guinan. Um, I, I do, I totally see that, but I am able to kind of shrug that aside and and focus on the big scenes with Q that just really were some tugs at the heartstrings and some great uh, some great acting by both Delancey and Sir Patrick. I don't disagree with that. I just think that there needed to be more of it and mm-hmm. plugged into the actual plot. You know, if kind of like tapestry. Q guides him on this journey and checks in at various points throughout the way to torment. I think Mm -hmm. you've got a very different season. I think there's a very different dynamic and I think it would have been more in line with what I expected. And certainly I'm sure others. Plus I, I think that it, it ultimately makes, makes Q's ending at the end of the season, a much more impactful thing. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, It's something that I've thought about several times since the season ended. We all know that they went to this alternate timeline and, and, and Q wanted Picard to realize his inner, his inner demons and deal with them. And that would allow him to get the forgiveness or, or the redemption and return them back to the regular timeline where everything is fine. With the admission of Q at the end of the series, at the end of the season, that he has, you know, he's always cared for Picard, this, that, and the other thing. If he did, if Picard did not get what Q wanted him to get at the end of the season, would Q have let things stay the way they were, or if he still would have plucked them out of that alternate reality? If he cared for Picard the way he says he did? Hey, that's a great question. I, I think mm. that 
ultimately he would have made his intent known because he always did. Yeah. You know, it, it's always at the beginning of a Q episode where you wonder why the hell he's there. And it's at the end of the episode, you kind of go, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether it's to put humanity on trial or to um, take a, a young female Q back to the continuum to train her or, or to teach John Luke a lesson in Sherwood Forest. You know, <laughs> I think ultimately that, that, that part of it would have been resolved somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just think he needed to be a little more present. Yeah. I, I totally, and, and, and too much John Delancey is not enough John Delancey. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I totally get that. But I've always thought, I've thought as when I've thought about it, I'm like, okay, he's dying. He cares about John Luke is if Jean-Luc didn't figure it out, was he just going to leave him there for him and the rest of the, the crew to suffer? Or would he have used that final power to tell him what he was hoping would happen and then snap him back to the regular uh, timeline? I think he knows Picard well enough to know Picard would figure it out. Because, you know, I mean, he's he, he's, you know, a borderline god. You know, he, he knows Picard. Um, he knows what he's about. He, he, well, Q could always skip ahead and see if Picard would figure things out anyway, because he can be any place, any time. So I, I don't know that that's necessarily as big a factor because ultimately it's about that relationship with Jean-Luc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of the, which is one of the highlights of the season. Um, I will say one of the things that I did not like is one of the things I teased about at the very beginning. And that's the whole, uh, issue with what's Picard's going on in his mind. And we find out now after so many years of TNG and the movies and, and Picard season one of all these things that happened to him that trauma traumatized him as a kid is what keeps him from getting in relationships and this, that, and the other thing. And I kind of thought that that was kind of a forced topic uh, for the season of what was going on in Picard's mind. Uh, and I wasn't sure it really fit in with what we know about the man up until this point. I don't disagree one bit. I think that while there are parts of this examination that I think are are helpful, ultimately I don't think it's framed very well. And I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on Picard season two because I really don't mean to. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate the season. I do think that there are a lot of missteps though. Ultimately, I I didn't, I didn't not like it, (laughs) but I didn't love it. And I actually really enjoyed season one. You know, if you take a look at his father being painted as a complete Luddite, you know, somebody who eschews technology at every turn. I, I I have a problem with them flashing back to his childhood and it looking like, I don't know, the 1800s. Yeah. Because that just doesn't seem right to me. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. The, the whole, you know, keeping the, uh, the vineyard uh, historical or whatnot. Um, but let's talk about what really did work for me. And that's just at the beginning. And unfortunately, we didn't get enough of it. And that's the Confederation. I loved the Confederation. Well, but before you go there, let's let's stay on let's stay on the whole Picard oh, okay. past thing because I, I don't want to get too far away from this. Okay, the parts of it that work are examining his relationship with his father. The parts of it that don't work is the suicide of his mother. That was complete out of left field for me. Um, I, I, re- I really was not thrilled with that. I know a lot of people had a problem with the fact that there were no warnings about self-harm at the beginning of that episode. Yeah. And I'm, uh, and, and, and whether that was put in there or not on purpose, uh, I just, I, it was something that was just, it just seemed like it was, a, it, they needed to have something to hinge the entire character of Picard, and I think that was the wrong one. Well, I will say that was aspect of the season that I did not care about. And there's a whole bunch of questions to be asked there. 
what of mental health at this time in the future? Exactly. Why mm-hmm. did his father essentially lock her away in a room? Um, I, I think that there's a real deficiency to that storytelling. I think that there's a lot of missteps in that particular storyline. And ultimately, I think it drags down that part of the season. You, you get to this, you know, as we're going to talk about the Confederation in a second, you get this huge ramp up to the Confederation storyline. We're back in 21st century LA. And then all of a sudden, the bottom drops out on the season. And we're here in Picard's mind examining what happened in his childhood. And it completely mm-hmm. takes the energy away. It it causes kind of like a depressive state for yes. for at least two episodes. Absolutely. Um, and then they throw in the extra stuff with with Sung and 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 things like that. And and I totally understand what you get where there's just a lot of confusion and a lot of different storylines going together uh, all at once. But you're absolutely right. That was one thing. The the locking in the room. I mean, let's look at Turnabout Intruder, the last episode yeah. of TOS. They handle it better than what they did Picard, which takes place 150 years later. Wow, that's a really great point. Yeah. Or even Dagger of the Mind. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which has a lot of flaws itself. Don't get me wrong. Well, so does Turnabout Intruder, but they handle it better. They they at least address it. Yeah. It makes me yeah. wonder, you know, not only was, did Picard's dad not only hate technology, but did he hate medicine? Did he hate psychology? Did he hate modern science? I think that's a question that I'm left with in watching this season. Mm-hmm. Yet, mm-hmm. in Picard's mind, he presents himself as a therapist. Right. Which is in the future, which is really bizarre. It is very bizarre. It's very bizarre to lock her in a dungeon. Yeah. Like you said earlier, because that's what I, that's the only thing I can think of. It's the basement, but it's a dungeon. It really is. And, and the whole idea with the key and the brick and the wall and everything like that, that's another thing that was just kind of head scratching to me a little bit. Um, Does it ultimately end up allowing Picard to move on based on everything that he dealt with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing as we saw at the end with, with Laris. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, as I, as I'm sitting here discussing things with you, um, I still love the season, but there are definitely parts of it that make me scratch my head more. It's a part that, that really, I, I, I don't like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, li- I don't mind the season overall. I'm not a huge fan of it, but if I examine that part of it, it really just drags it down. But anyway, let's go to the Confederation because sure. I, I derailed you a second ago. Oh, that's okay. Um, you're right. You do love the mirror universe stuff. I loved the way they forced us into this Confederation Yeah. because um, we're all very disoriented, you know, especially Picard because there he is with his, his, his man android Harvey and uh, in a room full of skulls. Room full of skulls, which... Man, that that happened. I was so excited when I saw that scene that I actually did not hear uh, Q say that the first skull was Galdacott. And when I rewatched it, I got even more excited because it was just incredible. And then to actually see the skulls and and actually be right next to them in Chicago for, for Mission Chicago was pretty cool because they had them all there. I thought that was one of the highlights of the season, the Confederation. It was different from the Mirror Universe in a way that I really liked. They had a lot of great moments in the Confederation. Of course, Annika is president. Um, they talk Cisco. They talk O'Brien. Uh, you hear a whole bunch of names smattered about while they're talking yep. about different things. And I thought that really worked. Um, we, and then, of course, we get the board queen and Annie Wershinger played. I 
phenomenal Borg Queen, yeah. possibly the best Borg Queen out of any of the ones that we have seen over the years. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. And for part of it, she just, she couldn't really do anything because it was just her torso. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, I really, I really liked the aspects of how, how evil uh, Picard was. Um, and, and it really, it really worked for me. I really liked seeing that aspect. And then when he had to pretend to be that evil general, uh, like at Starfleet Academy or, or, or the, yeah. or the Federation headquarters, when he dressed down a, uh, a, a soldier, I thought that was really great. Um, it just, it, it was very cool to see. Uh, it was a little, I was a little kind of like, okay, I don't think it would have taken this long for security to really get involved when he wasn't assassinating the board queen in front of all of the people that looked a lot like the people from the first episode of TNG when they were on trial, but I'm not going to really go into that. <laughs> um, but I thought, it, I thought it was great. Um, I, I loved um, Agnes Girardi in those scenes in the Confederation. Uh, I, I just thought it was great. But then, of course, we did have one aspect that not a lot of people liked, and that was the uh, uh, death of Elnor. Uh, that was, that was um, hard. That was hard. It was unexpected. And I got to say, I did not agree with Rafi at all in her reaction to Jean-Luc about that. I really didn't. I had a real really? problem with the way that she was. Yeah. I'm like, come on. And it could have happened to anybody. Now you're going to, you're going to now blame all of this on Picard when he's trying to get us out of this mess. I really did not like that. I get it though, because she's already lost her child. I know. You know, and, and now here she is, she's lost her, or essentially her her adopted kid for want of a better word mm. and all because of, of what's going on. Yeah. It was a bit of an overreaction, but I mean, that's what grief and that's what death does to us to some extent. I yeah. get it, even though it was misplaced and I can't really fault her for that. Um, uh, the whole idea of the Elnor hologram later is weird, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say that there were elements of, the coming back to the, or being thrust back into the alternate timeline where the Confederation is, that kind of remind me a little bit of Star Trek for the voyage home. In the way they constructed some of these scenes, in the way that our characters knew exactly what was going on, but no one else around them did. Mm -hmm. They had to try to fit in to advance, you know, to, right. to where they needed to be. I thought that some of that storytelling was done exceptionally well. Yes. And it was fun to watch. It was. It was a lot of fun to watch. That whole escape to the La Serena, that mm -hmm. whole sequence in that entire episode is just yes. fantastic from start to finish in all of the aspects. And tense. Yeah. And that's what, it worked. The tension worked, even though there was humor thrown in about trying to get the frequencies yeah, set up yeah. and, and Gerardi dropping her, 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 her swear words and such, which I won't say here, of course. No. Um, it, it worked. Uh, and I really liked it. And, and you, and you know, that's where we get to see the Confederation badges used as, as <laughs> lethal weapons, literally. Let's slice some throats with those bad boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really thought it worked. And unfortunately, the confederation aspect of season two, that was it. Once they yeah. escape, they go around the sun, which was some great special effects, by the way. Um, and, and slingshot back to the past. Um, that was it for the confederation. That was really too bad because it was, it was pretty awesome. I, I'm not going to lie. I loved it. There are elements of, of mirror, mirror in this episode. There are elements of voyage yeah. home. There are elements of, uh, of generations to some extent and the way Picard and Guinan interact. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I think that a lot of that storytelling, if I take out all of the, the Picard's family stuff, I think for me, the season works a whole lot better 
I agree. Ah, that's a good point, man. Absolutely a good point. Um, one more thing I want to say on the Confederation. It's really too bad that Eagle Moss doesn't seem to be around anymore because if they had done a skulls collection and they could have done different skulls than what we saw in the Confederation, I would have a whole wall full of them, man. It would be pretty awesome. I would be one sick mofo. Your wife would relegate you to the basement <laughs> and deservedly so. Wow. Okay. Well, that's where Picard's mother went, so I guess I'll have to follow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This just got Sorry. dark. Very dark. Very well. It was dark. There were some dark aspects of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about you, and I'm going to throw this out there, but I didn't once get fooled by the fact that Gerardi wasn't going to be the new Borg queen at all. I knew it from the moment the two of them were in the same room that Agnes was going to be the new Borg queen. I knew that as well. At first, when we first saw the new Borg Queen with that cool mask, no idea who it was. Um, but once she shot her, and then when she was being held by security in the chair, and then the Borg Queen was sitting next to her and were talking in her head, I'm like, okay, here we go. This setting it all up perfectly for her to be the Borg Queen. And while I was excited that she became the Borg Queen and it was kind of cool. I didn't like her look when she became the Borg Queen. I did not like her Girardi as the Borg Queen makeup and on the and, finale and all that. I wasn't very big, very keen on that one at all. Yeah. Well, I think it was done to demonstrate that she's not the hmm. like I, I, we'll call it prime timeline Borg Queen. Right. That mm -hmm. it didn't write over the Borg that we knew. This is kind of a new flavor. Yeah, and that's another aspect that I really start thinking about, and I can just get lost forever thinking about it. Okay, so she was created back before the split to the Confederation, and she took off and spent 400 years being the Borg Queen that learns about all the stuff that's going on back when things are back to normal. But she's not the Borg Queen that we saw in First Contact. She's not the Borg Queen we saw in Voyager. Right. She's a different Borg Queen. I'm already ready to pass out. But I think you actually covered it perfectly there. <laughs> I mean, you actually- Where was she the whole time? Well, that's really the thing. Yeah. You know, off wherever Borg queens go. <laughs> it's like, okay. Maybe she was in her Borg palace. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Borg palace. But I mean, you know, there had to be some kind of way to explain why they they weren't around. And, and them showing up, I, I think probably his explanation of they were off doing whatever they do. Um, and it, it's interesting to, I wonder if we're going to find out exactly what they did. That's a, that's something that I was actually going to say. Uh, obviously, they're going to be the gatekeepers for whatever is possibly coming through this rift in space. Um, and I hope that that's not all. I hope that's not, okay, they're going to stand guard there as, as the new members of the Federation, and we're not going to talk about them again. Are they going to be in season three at all? Because if not, it's going to be like, what the, what the heck was that all about? Allison Pill is not in season three of Picard. No, she's not. So I, I, I don't know. That's I, I, going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they deal with that. I think I don't think they're going to deal with it. I think there will be, and I could be wrong, but I think there will be some kind of reference as to what happened between then and now, and that's going to be it. I, I don't I do think there's going to be a great Borg continuation of the storyline. I really don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just yeah. don't see it. I found it very interesting and somewhat questionable that as many times as they've had problems with the Borg, even though Voyager had some of the Borg technology uh, built into their system thanks to Seven of Nine, I found it very interesting that the Stargazer and a lot of the fleet of the Federation now uses a lot of Borg technology, which actually allowed the Borg Queen to take over the fleet that much quicker. 
Yeah. I thought that was an interesting aspect. It's like, wow, you're going to allow you, stuff that you really don't understand. You're just going to use that technology and hope that everything works out okay. When they wouldn't let Seven join Starfleet. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, th- that I thought was very interesting. It strikes me to be, well, you know, you and I work in a in a field where security vulnerabilities are, are just part of the daily consideration. And oh, that strikes true. me as a huge security vulnerability. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, let's just take over everything. Yeah. I mean, I would, <laughs> what could this do? What harm could it be? I, um, I, it, I have a feeling that that has to be addressed again somehow. That aspect of it, particularly. I, I know that uh, with what we've seen with Picard Season 3, it appears that Seven is now a commissioned officer. Um, so maybe there will be some discussion about that. Who knows? I surely hope so. And well, since you brought it up, let's go there. I mean, mm-hmm. Seven essentially gets a field commission to you know be in command of the Stargazer at that moment. But I believe in the new season, she's a commander aboard the, the Titan A. Correct. I believe that's what it is. So, so not only I find it very interesting just in the fact that she was not allowed to become a Starfleet officer when they returned uh, from the Delta Quadrant. I th- I thought that was a huge huh moment. Yeah. Um. After everything that she did for Voyager and the crew, and I'm sure Janeway had a lot of uh, a lot of um uh you know the ability to to get what she wants done. And I'm sure she really pulled for Seven to become uh, a Starfleet officer, but that just didn't happen. Uh, and so she basically became a pirate, which is uh, okay. But now we're going to see her. And she gets, not only did she get a commission right then, she's like captain of the Stargazer instantly, thanks to Picard. And you could tell that she was pretty much digging it. Let's <laughs> go back to the pirate thing. The pirate thing also in Strange New Worlds. A little spoiler for Strange New Worlds also. Wow, to- thanks a lot. Captain Pike be a pirate. Um, But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And I hope we do get a little bit more backstory into what caused Starfleet to say, no, we're not letting you in. They let Picard still become captain and admiral for how many years? As after he was Locutus and killed how many people in Battle of Wolf 359? But yet they wouldn't let that seven become a Starfleet. Dude, he was back in command of the Enterprise at the end of that episode. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with stuff on his face and staring out the window, like, what have I done? But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he got to sit in the captain's chair on the flagship at the end of Best of Both Worlds Part 2. That's right. After complete assimilation. Yes, and complete uh, death and destruction of the pretty much the whole fleet. Yeah. Yeah, but Just, seven, no, no. No, no, Sorry. no. Double standard much? A little bit. A little bit. Speaking, of, speaking of great female characters in this season. Yes. Let's let's talk about uh, young Guinan for a second. Okay. I don't know how you feel about her. I loved this young Guinan. I thought she was pretty cool. I thought she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a bit of a plot hole. About how come she didn't know Picard? Yep. <laughs> I haven't heard that about a zillion times since the season ha- took place. And I get it. I mean, this is a slightly different timeline, but she met him in the 1800s. And she also knew something was wrong when the Enterprise C came through the rift and that timeline got altered. She has this intuition. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. Now, I know that there's a whole bunch of discussion out there. Um, and I think we've had discussion with some people about even though it's the 1800s, this is why th- this, that, and the other thing. I'm not even going to try to de- delve into it because I'm just going to cause myself to fall into a coma. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to try to find a canon explanation for it. Yeah. I'm just going to call it a myth. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good one. Yeah, it's a fine. miss I can live with. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I don't think it breaks anything. Ultimately, I think that Guinan serves a purpose in this storyline. She does. And I think she's an amazing addition, both in current day, uh, by current day, I mean the, the prime Trek timeline that we're used to and in the past. Yes, it I agree. Great to see Whoopi again. It was great to see um, the new guy. Ido, I'm not even going to pronounce her last name, Thank but you. I know Ido is her first name. Um, <laughs> and it, it was it was just wonderful all around. Uh, Aga Yeri, maybe possibly. Sure, let's go. With I know she had some guns on her uh, her arms. She was. I would not want to mess with that woman. Uh, <laughs> it, she was she was awesome. I thought it was a little quirky, but I loved the the nostalgia of there being a ten forward on ten forward oh, I loved Ave it. or whatever. I, I thought it was kind of neat, and it was so great. Uh, it was so great when he went down that in that bar uh, in the past, and there she was. And I'm like, oh my god, that's guy. Then you got to be kidding me. And she even did the hands thing. She even did the claws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. A great callback. It was very strange how they were able to call Q. That was loud and and very. It sounded like you, um, but it, it was it was weird to to see it on TV. Um, yes, all around. <laughs> um, ultimately, I, I thought they were a series of scenes that worked pretty well. I thought that that she and Patrick Stewart had amazing chemistry on screen. Yes. Plus indeed. it was also great to see Patrick and Whoopi together because it was like having old friends reunited. Cause that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it brought, it brought me a lot of joy. There was enough fan service to keep it interesting, but yet enough new stuff to propel the plot and the characters. And I'm all for that. And I am one believe that this was was genuine and happened. And, and the whole idea of Guinan coming back was when Sir Patrick was on The View a couple of years ago talking about Picard season one. And he said that he talked to Alex and wanted to invite her to come back. And she said yes. Yeah. So they were able to write her in. And she was in two episodes. And I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Loved it. Absolutely I, loved I it. I want to talk about the criminal underuse of Issa Briones in this season. Mm. Because we see Soji for a fleeting moment at the beginning. Very fleeting. And then we see her new character at various times throughout the season. Um, and it just, it, it didn't work for me. Um, I, I wanted, I wanted more of Soji. I thought that it would have made more sense if Soji had been part of the team that came back. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that would have added a new element, but I ultimately, I, she was given something to do. It was fine, but I just, I didn't love it. I didn't love it either. I thought it was great with her, the 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 banter back and forth with her and Girardi when they were with the Delton delegation at the yeah. beginning, like you said. I really thought that was great. I kind of thought, even though I j- enjoyed it, I kind of thought the whole idea of her being um, a, a descendant of Sung was kind of kind of like really like thrust into the storyline and it didn't really fit all that well although you know and this condition that she had and and how sung actually ended up being the the the, like the big emperor like leader of the confederation based on what took place uh, it was very confusing um i didn't really think it was awful but i didn't love it right and like you said she was drastically underutilized because she's a very powerful performer. Um, when she did have scenes, she did the best that she could with them. Um, but I, I think that was, I, I, I do think in addition to the, to the mother issues that Picard had, I think that the whole Sung and daughter thing was, was a little bit of a miss as well. I do love the, the, the ending for her character in this oh, yeah, episode. I do like that too. I yeah. love the return of Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that that brings me joy to know that he you know 
essentially recruits Corey into the into the travelers. Yep. It's good to know that they kind of oversee the watchers. I gotta say that's a fant- fantastic tie into the original series. I loved that whole idea of the supervisors and and they have the same type of transporter effect and I thought that was really great. I will think it was a little bit of a stretch for the woman who played Laris to all of a sudden be one of the supervisors. I'm okay with it though, because the whole idea of tying those two species together the way that they did, I thought was brilliant. Even though we only found out about it for, and knew about it for like 30 seconds yeah. before, before uh, Wesley uh, um, took off uh, with her. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I know a lot of people were like, oh my God, they just have to throw Wesley in so that they would get that, you know, aspect. Of, I thought it was great. I, th- I, th- I loved seeing him again, even if it was just for a few minutes. I thought it was great to find a way to tie all these different ideas in Star Trek together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a Star Trek series I would watch the hell out of. Um, you know, the sort of the uh, assignment Earth. What if there was, well, originally assignment Earth was a backdoor to pilot be. to a new series yeah. by Gene Roddenberry about yep. Gary Seven. What if this led to a new kind of assignment Earth with, you know, maybe a, a rotating series of, of watchers? I think, I think that would be, that'd great. be awesome. It, well, it, it'd kind of be a little bit like Quantum Leap, I guess, but. Um, Which they just rebooted anyway, so. Right. <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea. And as a matter of fact, I've always loved the idea of what the supervisors from Assignment Earth were like. As a matter of fact, the the con series of novels, the, the trilogy, Gary Seven is extremely involved in that entire first novel and I think part of the second. Uh, and I would have, and there's also another Gary Seven novel out there from the old pocketbook Star Trek novels that is, that is excellent as well. And I've always thought that that was a missed opportunity that NBC didn't pick that up when uh, Gene proposed it back in the day. I thought it would have been pretty great. Well, I mean, who knows why? I mean, maybe it just yeah. it didn't work for them. You know, network suits or network suits, and yeah. some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. It's amazing that Star Trek got a second pilot, and maybe mm-hmm. because nobody ever expected that. Um, True. You know, good point. Uh, good point. Ultimately, I, I think it. I think it would be cool if that was something they re-examine now, um, even if it were a series of shorts. You know, based on yeah. the Watchers, I think that would be awesome. I think it would be very cool. Um, I want to know if. The Soongs are all clones because they all look identical to each other. Yeah. Whether it's, um, whether it's Noonien or whether it's Arik or whether it's uh, Alton Inigo or whether it's uh, Adam, they <laughs> yep. all are identical, which makes me wonder if they are all clones. And I have this question now because um, Brent Spiner keeps playing Soongs. Yeah, uh, that'd be a good question to pose to him at a convention, maybe. And I'm sure that he would have some incredible uh, anecdotes to talk about because uh, any time that he's being interviewed, it's pretty funny. But that's a good point. Um, I, I like the fact that they've been able to bring Brent back um, as different roles. I think it's starting to stretch a little thin. I will say, because there's been so many of them. Um, I love what they're going to be doing in season three, though, with what we've seen in the teaser. So I don't want to get into that right now, but um, that looks pretty cool. But I also like the fact of what they did with tying in the Sungs, because we saw it in Enterprise, mm-hmm. 
when he opens that drawer after everything has gone to hell for him at the end of season two of Picard, he opens up that drawer and there's the folder with the con uh, initiative or whatever it's called. I thought that was amazing and a great tie into what we see later with Enterprise. I do too. I, I wish that it had been more than just a passing glimpse. Hmm. Um, I, I would have liked a little more framework because um, uh, that's just the way I am. Uh, yeah. But because I, I want them to dive into that lore, no pun intended, mind, even more. Yep. Get your mind thinking. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's it's a question I'm left with now every time we see a song. Um, I, are they all clones of Adam? You know? Yeah. Um, good, I feel good like question. I feel like they almost have to be. Um, I, I do have to say that one of the things that I found funny about this season. So remember the Star Trek experience in Vegas mm -hmm. where you were beamed onto the enterprise D and the Klingons were after an ancestor of Picard's to kill them. Oh, that's right. And the mission was to escape the Klingons and, and get back to Las Vegas. Fast forward to Star Trek Picard season two, and they have to stop Picard's ancestor from being killed. <laughs> and so she right. can complete her mission so that Starfleet and the, the Federation as we know it can actually take place. And I just had to chuckle a little bit inside because um, it, it almost seems like a, a wink and a nod to the Vegas yeah, attraction. Maybe it was. I found it interesting that whole aspect of her having to go on that mission um, and that the love interest of Rios, that the son is actually the one that comes up with whatever he comes up with after she finds that life form on Europa or wherever it is that they yeah. go to. It was amazing that this little group of people in a city of Los Angeles with the millions of people, they all kind of tie together. <laughs> it's just, it's the strings of time or whatever you want to call it, like, the butterfly effect or whatever. Like sands um, to the hourglass. Exactly. Um, and, and speaking of, of, of Rios and uh, his love interest, I really was kind of, I, I get it. I, I was bummed that he stayed behind. Um, I think he's a great character and I would have loved to see more of him in, in, the, in the future season of Picard. I understand why he did it, but at the same time, anyone who is involved with any time travel of any kind in any Star Trek series knows you can't do that. The ripple effect of it's, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's not good. Uh, the, you know, the, the Department of Temporal Investigations would be having a field day if they ever found out about this. I hated that aspect. I'm going to come right out and say it. I, I did not like it one bit. Um, mm -hmm. just because I, I wanted more for the Rios character. Yeah. I, I thought that it was great to have him as the, you know, in command of the La Serena. I loved his character in command of the Stargazer. I wanted him to do more in a Starfleet sense. And I almost feel like we got cheated out of more Rios by having him stay I, behind. I absolutely agree. One of the greatest aspects of, of the character, which of course, People are going to say, well, they shouldn't be doing that in the 24th century. Is, is Captain Rios on the Stargazer chewing on a stogie? I just think that was the coolest thing, seeing him on the on the bridge of that ship with that cigar in his mouth. But you're right. I understand he finally found what he wanted. He found the love that he wanted, and he's happy. You're right. It was a, it, I want more Rios. And, that, and now it's not – they did have – it was interesting is people have pointed out that there was a picture of him and his family – at the bar mm -hmm. when when guy when uh, Picard was there, of course we didn't focus in on it, but people have pointed it out since then. Um, it's just too bad because it, 
he was a great character. He really was a good character in season one and season two. And it was, I think it was a lost opportunity for another potential character off on their own and future adventures of Star Trek, whatever they may be. Yeah. I mean, there's, so, so Rio stays behind. Elnor's killed. Gerardi becomes mm. the new Borg queen. Mm. We're kind of left with Rafi and Seven. And we know we'll see them in Picard season three, but I kind of wanted True. the whole gang. Well, and Soji, you know, is off on her tour of the, the galaxy. Uh, right. You know, I, I kind of wanted that core unit to come back for all of, because we've seen them for 20 episodes. Um, uh, does it mean I, I, I disliked it? No, it's just, it's, it was kind of what I hoped for. And I, it, that's, that's my disappointment. I, I'm disappointed also, but also knowing that they had this plan for the three seasons. So they knew back when they were putting this all together that season three was going to be the big TNG reunion. So maybe they decided they need to do some of these things and only bring back a couple. It seems that Seven has now become an integral part of Star Trek, modern day Star Trek with the series. So I understand her. I understand because she's in the relationship with Rafi. I kind of understand why nobody else is coming back and so they why they wrote them out the way that they did because it's all going to be focusing in on Jordy and Deanna and Worf and and all the rest of the crew. They still could have room for for the other characters yeah. to be in season 3 a little bit. Absolutely. So I it is it is disappointing but at the same time I I kind of get where they're going. They want this to be the actual send-off of the TNG crew. So they're going to focus in on that as much as they can. One of the things I've wondered about this season, and, and this is just a recent thing that's come into my brain, is, well, you know, a lot of it doesn't take place in space. A lot of it is earthbound. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if a lot of that was to trim the budget down to use some of those savings for season three. Good point. Yeah. I don't be. know if that's the case. That's just me thinking. Mm-hmm. But I, I often wonder if that was part of the decision to have as much earthbound story as we did yeah yeah uh, that's a very good point it was very special effect heavy in the first episode or two um a little bit thrown thrown in uh, the rest of the season yeah that's a very good point and i wouldn't be surprised but then again you know with the budgets that they have with the modern day trek with like discovery and what they're doing i'm not sure that they really care <laughs> well i think they care on some level because bringing back the entire cast of next generation is not, not an cheap. inexpensive proposition yeah that's true you know absolutely um yeah. Uh, overall, I do like the way that this season wrapped up. I'm glad that Picard has found a little bit of happiness. Yes. Um, I want to take a couple of steps back yeah, from that happiness it. when he gets it and talk about the last scenes with Q. Okay. Because that, uh, you want to talk about a 52-year-old guy at that moment, uh, at that time that it was aired, crying like a baby. I was bawling really? at that scene. I just thought that that chemistry, um, Picard has hated this guy for so long because he's been such a pain in the ass. And there he is saying he's not alone and hugs him. And the reaction from Q is just one that I was, I was, it was like, I couldn't breathe. It was, it was so powerful for me. For someone that has not been a huge Q fan also, um, I just thought it was extremely um, emotional and powerful. And I absolutely love the fact that Q did not, die question mark alone like he always thought he was going to i'm i'm really kind of fascinated by that and i'm glad you said all that because i i didn't have that reaction hmm. um it didn't i didn't find it emotional at all for me um and i'm not i'm not saying that's good or bad or indifferent i'm not saying that you're wrong because it's the reaction you had and i i respect and i love that for you but for me it was 
it was okay. Um, okay. I thought it was, I thought it was two actors who were, you know, still so amazing uh, at this phase of their career, but ultimately I just, I didn't, I didn't feel it. And that's, that's and okay. I got I got to say, that's one of the things that I also love so much about it. It's these two actors. Yeah. And this scene to get like, and that scene, uh, like we talked about it before, when it's just the two of them sitting and they're talking, that was amazing too. Um, you got to, you got to finally understand that Picard or that Q cares about Picard and always has. And then you get this, this, this farewell. Um, and the extra gift that Q decides to give Picard when he snaps his fingers that last time by bringing Elnor back, I thought was very gracious of him and a little bit unexpected, uh, but a little expected at the same time, because I know a lot of people were really pissed that he was just dead and in, in a, in a little photon torpedo tube on the ship or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I really thought that that scene with the two of them was one of the most touching of the season. And it really got me in all the right places. It really did. Interesting. I had that reaction in the Penthay in season one when Picard oh, and, oh, and Riker yeah. and Troy all hug. I was reduced to, to, to tears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it for this. And maybe it's it's mainly because of the adversarial relationship they've had. I've never looked at it as sort of what well, comes across as a little parent-child in Picard season two with Cube sort of being the godlike okay. Um, you know, and even refers to, to Picard sort of in a, in a childlike way. And I, it just, it just, it didn't hit me and that's cool. Here's, you just said that and, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I will now cause you said it. Sir Patrick Stewart at the age he's at reminds me so very much of my dad when he was getting towards the end of his life. A lot. Yeah. The way that his mannerisms, his voice, because his voice is different than it was on TNG. Sure. And it reminds me a lot of my dad. So a lot of the scenes where that he's in talking, um, especially these end scenes when he's showing the, the, the love, because I think it really was, really hit me hard as well. And I think that's why it played such an emotional part on me. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic that it touches that part of, of your relationship. You know, yeah. um, it's, uh, these things hit different people different ways. And, you know, like there, there are elements of the visitor that, that level me for different reasons than other people. And I totally respect that. Yep. Um, but you are correct to say that both of these actors are clearly at the top of their game in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're phenomenal. Yep. Yep, they absolutely are. And as you said, and we kind of went off on a tangent for a little while, um, we get to see Picard happy at the end. He's going to take the chance that he's never going to take before, that he never would have taken before. We, we're we left, we don't see that, but we're left pretty much knowing that's what's going to happen, the way that he um, is talking to Laris. And I think it's great. I, I was really happy at the beginning of the season when it looked like that's what she wanted, and he was right there, just about ready to, to say yes, and then pulled back. And that was really disappointing. And to see it at the end, like it looks like he's ready to take that chance. I thought it was great. I thought it was a good ending for the season. It's interesting that this is a man who has, as he says in in uh, um, Nemesis, you know, negotiated treaties between implacable enemies, you know, <laughs> uh, initiated first contact with all kinds of alien worlds. And his final frontier turns out to be happiness. Yeah. And, and being able to reconcile that happiness based on everything that's happened in his childhood. That's a fascinating examination. Um, mm-hmm. and I at least appreciate the way that they actually let him have some, um, because Finally. he could have been tortured still. 
Yeah. I mean, we've seen glimpses of it with uh, uh, Darren in one episode of TNG and then an insurrection, but we never saw anything really of any substance. So, And we still really haven't, but we have that idea that that's what's going to happen based on how the season ended. Well, and I think we, like he, know that those were temporary. Yeah. You know, I, you know, Nella Darren could be transferred at any time. And in fact, right. was. Or you know, killed. Or whatever. Or, or yep. And Picard, you know, knew that he wasn't going to be staying on the Baku homeworld with Anish. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll come back someday. Yeah, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you. Yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> call me. Um, ultimately, if you had to give this season a rating out of 10, what would you give it? And I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't talk about this. Yeah, um, I loved I loved so many aspects of it, and even the things that we've talked about that weren't the best aspects. I'd got to give it a solid eight. Really, seven seven and a half to eight. Yeah, there were so many aspects of it that just get me so giddy and happy and emotional at the same time that I'm willing to overlook some of the flaws that it has. Okay, what about you? I'm gonna give it a four. Really? Yeah. Ouch. Okay. It's it's dark. Yeah. Through the middle, it's it's pretty dour um and it just none of the storylines work well together let me ask you this what would you have given star trek season a uh, picard season one probably a good seven okay so let's see i'd probably give picard season one uh, at six or a seven so but and i think season two was better than season one so yeah i'd have to go with a seven and a half or eight four is wow that's a very surprising for me it's season one is a great examination of a man with a regret Mm-hmm. Because we never see our Starfleet captains have regret. They're on to the next thing, you know, right. and it's, um, you know, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Mm-hmm. And at that phase of Picard's life, he's tortured by some of his decisions. And it was interesting to see that manifest itself. Um, and ultimately the way it resolved. Right. He gets closure for data. Um, and I think that's really what made it really kind of important. That is special. Um, yeah. Because it, yeah. it was truly special. This, it's, it's four different story ideas that don't really ever gel together. Mm-hmm. And while I like aspects of it and I love the performances by a lot of people, the season on the whole just doesn't work for me. I don't hate it, but it's, it, I'm not going to rank it up there with season one. I just can't. Okay. No, that makes sense. No, I, um, I think that's what's great about uh, the fact that we have these discussions. There's so many aspects of it that I loved that they kind of overshadow the things that I didn't, which makes me appreciate the season more, I think. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause I, and, and what's kind of weird is there's a lot of aspects of season one that I think don't work. And I did the same thing. Sure. There's a lot of things that I do like that data. The whole data thing is just incredible, especially the last episode of season one. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, even it looks like it didn't work the same for you in season two as it did for me in season one, but that's okay. Um, I mean, it's still something that it's going to be on TV. We're going to watch it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's Star Trek, baby. Well, I mean, yeah. there are episodes and seasons of shows that I dislike more, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, four out of 10 is, is not terrible. It's not awesome, but it's not terrible. But ultimately it's, it's Picard and I'm going to watch it because I love Jean-Luc Picard. I want to see the rest of his journey. I know something that I want to do and we can do it as a series because there's only 10 episodes a season and there's going to be 30 episodes total. So it'll just be like a a little bit more than a regular season of the old TNG Voyages. We're going to have to do a Cedar Skip It Picard because I want to hear what you would say for Cedar Skip It for individual episodes. Well, but that's the problem though. They're all see it. 
because you can't watch one and not know what's going on in the other. Oh, that's true because of the whole aspect of it being a season long arc. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, whereas episodic, it's much easier to do. True. That's good. Um, I, I'm happy to go through why I think some episodes are hits or misses, but ultimately, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you have to see all 30 episodes of Picard because they tell a complete story. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's one of the things that some people love and some people hate about the new Trek is a lot of it is is cinematic in scope in terms that it's an entire season arc, whereas why some people are so excited about Strange New Worlds is because it's Planet of the Week. Well, and even then, there's an arc that that draws a line through that. Yep. Yep. Um, I still think that the, all of the new Trek is pretty much see it, even Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. because um, they tell a story, even Lower Decks. Right. You yeah. know, there are arcs that go through that series that if I mm-hmm. miss one, I've missed a piece. True. Um, although I still would argue that all of Lower Decks is a see it. All of Lower Decks is a see it. So Absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> so there you have it. We've looked at season two of Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. We can't wait for season three. Boy. Definitely a total game changer as far as the journeys of Jean-Luc Picard goes. Um, I can't wait to see where we wind up at the end. It's going to be great no matter what happens. You know, this season was really special. There were some things that I absolutely loved. A lot of people didn't like the darkness. I actually loved the Confederation. I thought it was great. And I'll talk about those skulls until the day I die. So, um, But yeah, it's going to be very interesting getting the whole family back for a final third season. Uh, or is it? Um, Jonathan Frakes, damn you. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be fantastic no matter what. And I'll tell you right now, dude. February cannot get here fast enough, but neither can Vegas because you know they're going to have all of them back and it's going to be a pretty magic moment. I hope it's going to be all of them because Patrick doesn't always do Vegas. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm thinking about when he was there to announce Picard and I get all chill still. Oh, giddy. Giddy. <laughs> I mean, that's not giddy. That's no, that's oh, I can't say what that is without bleeping. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Dan, another thing we're excited about in addition to Star Trek Picard season three. Hmm. Five-year mission, the band. good lord, yes. Who also has five-year mission, the podcast. Wow, Who also has five-year mission, the albums. It's sounding a lot like Spaceballs, and that's okay, because five-year mission is that good. Get yourself on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get all their CDs. Send them to yourself. You know, maybe it's a nice early holiday present for you, because we guarantee you are going to love their music. You've heard it here on Trek Geeks for years. You've heard it on some of the other shows on the network, including Five Year Mission, the podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and um, become a huge fan of the band as Dan and I are ourselves. And what was even cooler than just having Five Year Mission all kinds of songs is last week, we just had Spock's Brain music because we actually did the episode Spock's Brain. That was really cool. That was very smart on your part, I got to say, also, buddy. You know what else I love besides Picard Season 2 and Five Year Mission, Bill? My face. Oh, God, no, 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 not at all. I love Lower Decks, and I love Lower Decks Season 3 in particular, buddy. There have been some great episodes. There have been some great callbacks. There's been some great voice acting, especially in last week's episode. You you remember that one. Boimler created a new holodeck adventure where he's Captain Dagger, and he takes the crew on a dangerous and adventure-filled mission to find and take back an important and dangerous device that can literally change the timeline just by playing songs from... Our favorite band, Five Year Mission. I I mean, I just get chills thinking about it. Check it out. It's Crisis Point 2, Parapharxis. Oh, come on. Am I ever... That's all I'm going to get every single time, isn't it? No, you've gotten worse. I (laughs) thought... And you've gotten better. Um, I've gotten better? Thank you. No, no. You've gotten better reactions. Oh. (laughs) As 
where I say like, that's just terrible. That would be a better reaction than what I just had, which, um, kind of, this was a, that was such a good episode. I just, I want to know at one point you start trying with these because we're almost eight years in. Just following and my leader. I'm, that's all. Oh no 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 no! I don't even do this. So you can't blame this on me. Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta you do love, something to pick up the podcast. No no no! You love to try to deflect. <laughs> you just own this. They you know, suck. No, they don't. They are wonderful. You know, all you listeners out there, you can tell us on Twitter how much you love the Farkism. You can buy a shirt over at our store on TrekGeeks.com, and you can get a "I'm only here for the Farkism" shirt. That's right. That's right. I said it. I love Farkisms. Yeah. You can get it. You, you love them because you write them. No, 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 I'm talking about the people wearing the shirt that, that says that on the shirt because they love them. I'm going to be convinced that anybody else wearing that shirt probably is being held hostage <laughs> and needs intervention from law enforcement. Um, okay. Not counting Fark. I mean, obviously, he, could, he should wear the, his own shirt with right. himself on it. He, I mean, that makes I, sense. That's a little strange, but that's, that's true. Anyway. Parafarxis. Five-year mission done <laughs> Don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, upon which Five Year Mission has a podcast, in case you hadn't heard or were not yeah. aware, um, by subscribing to us on Patreon, all kinds of perks, Dan, um, and a whole bunch of people who help make it happen for us. Oh, absolutely. We have tons of people over on the Patreon who we are just so thankful for. And right now, we're going to thank our associate producers for the support that they give us. And they are Vikram Bat, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark of the previously mentioned five-year mission, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Roger, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, uh, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins, as Bill Belichick would say. Well, wow, that, that that's kind of be a really specious joke right, for only I'll, a few I'll, people. I'll, I'll say it again. And the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. That is so much better. Thank you very much. It gives Connie the kind of attention and recognition that Connie deserves, quite frankly. Yeah, but she gave me bleep for the whole Mary Poppins thing, so, you know. You deserve it. Have you watched I it do. yet? Nope. Uh, all right. We also want to thank the following producers of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chas Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer, is the mm-hmm. one and only... Mm-hmm legendary, much heralded yes. Yes, yes. Jude Tatman. Oh, I've been waiting for that name all day. Okay. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Yeah, next week, we're going to take a look at an episode that we looked at on the schedule and said, why are we going to talk about that? <laughs> and um, that's going to be our episode next week on Trek Geeks. It is going to be our episode, and it turns out that I'm the one who suggested it, but I have no memory of doing that. But that's okay, because that's just the way I am. So we're going to deep dive into Voyager's Season four's Prey, and I think the reason I picked that is because, you know, the one and only Tony Todd is in it. So uh, I'm I can pretty much guarantee that's the exact reason why you picked it. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. It's all going to be next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship 
of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I mean, as if you need a better reason to pick it. <laughs> I know, I mean, right? Tony Todd, previous guest of the Trek Geeks Podcast, Ooh. I might add. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's one I'm looking forward to talking about. It's got one of my favorite shots in all of Star Trek in this episode. Was that when the A472s climbing the, the ship? Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Yep. <laughs> because uh, that we just never seen stuff like that before. Get a shadow on the hull. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, an episode that we might geek out over elements on next week here on the flagship. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please do check out the other member podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many fantastic shows created by passionate fans who just want to share their love of Star Trek and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts in the free, that's F-R-E-E, Trek Geeks mobile app, or get a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, I say no one, talks Trek like we do. They all try. They don't do it, though. Mm-hmm. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 294. <laughs> 294. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut, Mr. Crusher. Engage. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong, old Daniel. Old, da- wait a minute. You're the same age as I am. I'm two weeks younger. Well, you are- same. The, the number's the same. Doesn't matter. You are, in fact, older. Well, two weeks. Wow. Oh, boy. I really got you there. 14 days. <laughs> How many hours is that? I'm even going to try. <laughs> I would have to Google that. <laughs> Let's see. It's 14 days, 14, 24 hours in a day. 14 times 24 is the 336. Well, actually, that's the the hour of the day that I was born, 3.36 in the morning. That's quite the coincidence. Wow. 100%. I think it's going to be like this all recording long. All kinds of coincidences. Coincidence I? No. Oh, my God. Coincidence. So, here's what I've discovered. (laughs) Here we go. As you know, just uh, almost nine short months ago, we adopted a rescue pocket pit bull named Isabella. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you've you've met her, dummy. Oh, right, right. That's right. <laughs> um if I have learned anything in the last week, it's that I will never do anything alone <laughs> ever again. Nope. So last night, well you you you've had dogs for yep. quite some time. I've had dogs for quite some time. They like to run in their sleep. You know, when they dream, they sometimes run. Oh, yeah. You see their paws yeah. move. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Isabella did that 
many, many times last night. Of course, she was curled up right against me. We were literally butt to butt. And so every time she would be like, you know, moving in her sleep, I would just feel like there was an earthquake about to occur. (laughs) So as a result, um, she slept like an angel. I slept um, very poorly. You look it. You look tired. Thank you. I don't mean that in a bad. I don't. I don't mean that in a bad way. But I'm tired too. So, but that's. I'm tired of looking at you. Well, that's well, that's true. So I have a dog story also, which is it's not as good as yours, but it is funny. So yesterday afternoon, Sue's at her desk in the loft down the hall, and I'm here in my office. And whenever we're upstairs, the dogs are always sleeping next to her. There's a couple. There's a bed and blanket, and and I'm just doing my work, and all of a sudden I hear. Aria was asleep and she was dreaming. So I go running down the hall because I got to see what's going on. And she just woke up and the listeners won't see this, but she's like this. She's like, <laughs> she was like all shaky. Like, what, what just happened? <laughs> it was so cute. I wish I had filmed it. It was the cutest noise. It was so great. <laughs> she, she was like, what? <laughs> she was like that, um, that Muppet with the little red tuft of hair. And he's always like, <laughs> It's amazing because, uh, you know, owners do seem more like their dogs every single day. <laughs> I do. Um, Sue says I do cry out my sleep from time to time. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like I, high-pitched wailing. I'm afraid to ask. I don't, I don't know. I must have been dreaming about you and I get scared. So that's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Oh, so you can throw the insults, but when I do it, you're a jerk. You're a jerk. That's because you're a suck. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Thank you. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? (laughs) I am doing great. As great as great can be. Really? Yeah. It's all as great as it can be. I got a short staff this week. So, you know, and and I don't have a management team. So pretty much I got to just fly by the seat of my pants all the time. Oh, well, at least you're wearing pants, I hope. Yes, I am today. I got a pair pair of jeans on with with my shark side of the moon shirt. Pink Floyd album cover with Jaws. Did you see the Science Division triple cosplay of the triple as a shark? I did. It that was, was pretty wonderful. Good. It was excellent. All Today's the stuff that Science Division does is great. Uh, I love Science Division. They're so fun. Today's is pretty good too. Uh, hashtag Fizbin. Fizbin. Okay. Science Division. I'm pulling it up right now. Look at those two gangster tribbles. Uh. <laughs> I'm so- Don't do that ever again. <laughs> So I'm looking at the picture and I see the communicator. So I, um, uh, the family had dinner at my brother's uh, this past Saturday night, and I get there, and I haven't seen my brother in I don't know three, four months. I don't know. He's always golfing, so he's never around. Um, and he goes, "Hey, call me, call me, call me, call me, call me on my phone, call me on my phone, call me on my phone." I'm like, "Dude, relax. I'm standing right here." He goes, "Just call me, just call me." So I call him, and of course, the first number I called was the wrong number. So. <laughs> I call this I call this work number by mistake, and then I I dial his number, and he's looking, and he pulls out the communicator, the Bluetooth one. He was so excited that he got the Bluetooth communicator that 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 you have and I have, um, sitting right here on my desk. He was just so excited. He goes, "Yeah, one night I was uh, sitting on the in my chair uh, on my iPad at Amazon, and I had, had a couple drinks, and I came across this, and I bought it." <laughs> You got, and, if, and, if, and if you didn't have it, I was probably going to give it to you. I'm like, nope, you're stuck with it now, dummy. <laughs> but it is cool. That That's an expensive mistake to make. <laughs> yeah. Or an expensive uh, impulse buy. Yes. Yeah, but that's all right. I, I, now he's got it. And next time I go over, probably in four months, I'll bring mine and we can be like communicator buddies. 
<laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, it might be longer if you keep calling the wrong number. <laughs> well, I got his voicemail at his work, but I'm like, it's ringing. I'm like, you going to pick it up? He's like, it's not ringing. I'm like, oh, I called your work. Sorry. Everybody laughed. <laughs> so then, this is this is another good story about this, this get-together. Whole family's there. I'm deciding I'm going to make a new martini, uh, a pomegranate martini. So Sue and I were at the store early in the day. We got our pomegranate juice and all the stuff we needed. So we're getting ready to go to Don's, and I put all the stuff in the bag, and we go over, and, and we get there, and, and there's... Uh, um, Austin, uh, Austin's girlfriend is really looking forward to trying this martini. And I go in the bag and I take out the stuff. I forgot the pomegranate juice. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, for the love of Christ. So I'm like, all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to Shaw's. It's right down the road. So I go to Shaw's. I get there and I go to the air, the area in the produce section where the palm pomegranate juice is. Mm-hmm. And there's like a hundred of them there. Palm, the palm pomegranate juice. I'm like, oh, good. All right. So I grab one and I go and I ring ring it out and I get in the car and I drive back and I get there and I put it on the counter out of the 110,000 pomegranate bottles that were there I grabbed the one blueberry pomegranate <laughs> what the I what? I didn't even look I just oh they're all the all the pomegranate cuz the pomegranate's red cap so I just there's a whole bunch of red caps so I just reach in grab it cuz I'm in a rush I got the wrong one they were still good but just it's just typical you I am an idiot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, I, think, I don't even have to say it anymore. You don't have to say anything. No, you do it for me. Yep, which really is the best part. I was like, and I was, I was pissed. I was not happy with myself. I was ready to go out and get another one, <laughs> but I, but I didn't. I didn't. So well, everybody liked him anyway, so it, it was okay. But when we had the real pomegranate juice one, and we came back and had them yesterday or Sunday, they were much better. So, so yeah. So, well, so now now we have a whole bunch of pomegranate and pomegranate blueberry juice if anybody is thirsty. <laughs> I uh, yeah, cuz just pour me a big old glass of pomegranate oh blueberry uh, <laughs> on the rocks. Mm, yummy with some blueberries on top for a little uh no. accoutrement. A little antioxidant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Why did you automatically start to slip into Cyrano Jones? I don't know. So it's, it could be Cyrano Jones, and it could also be Ben the Giant Whale from Rudolph's Shiny New Year, because they had the same laugh. Sometimes I do it, and then if I go, <laughs> ask if you were comfortable. That's from Rudolph's Shiny New Year. That's that's going to be you in just a couple of years. A couple of days. <laughs> Especially after all that blueberry pomegranate. When you come back after your long weekend, I'm gonna, you're going to be like, hey, dude, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Mr. Magoo, Ben, the the whale, and Sereno Jones. All rolled into one. When I when I visit you at the old folks' home, you'll be sitting in your chair t- mumbling to yourself, going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and you'll be like, wow, why can't he be in bed so I can smother him with that pillow that I've always wanted to? Oh, my God, that would be so amazing. I know, right? See, I'm I would- here to help. I'm here to help. For the first time. Death. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Congratulations. There is a first for everything. Um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yes, I am headed to the District of Columbia this weekend. Yes. Happy anniversary to you and your lovely bride. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. I am. It's it's been a while since we've been to D.C. The last time we were there, we actually went for the 4th of July. God, I want to say about 10 years ago. And saw the fireworks you know, yep. from the uh, from the FDR memorial. Uh, it was it was a fantastic time. Although it was um, probably one of the longest uh, walks I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, last time I was in Washington D.C., I was a junior in high school. Wow! <laughs> so that was a while ago. 
I'm you gotta a, fix that. Uh, we are we're planning on going. We were talking about it the other day, and and the four of us want to go down for a weekend and go to the Smithsonian and the Arlington and all that fun stuff. Stop in, say hi to Joe. You know, Joe Biden. I'll tell you, he'll be in Delaware anyway. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's true. Look, all right, look, people. Now, you yeah. stop in and see the uh, the original Enterprise at Aaron Space. Yes. And along ears. with Leonard Nimoy's ear tips, like I'm going Absolutely. to do this weekend. I did see, they had, when I went, they had, I don't think it was the Enterprise, that they had something for Star Trek. Was it the Enterprise? And it just wasn't in good shape? I don't remember. They, the Enterprise I think it was has, a fake one. It was a fake one hanging in the Smithsonian. It wasn't the original one that they used for filming like they have now. Uh, they've had the the that eight foot. I think it's eight feet. Yeah, eight foot model one. for years yeah. in the gift shop. Okay, that's what it must have been. Yeah. Um, and now it is on the main floor. Okay. Since the restoration, yeah. I saw it for the first time about twenty years ago in the gift shop. Okay, and then that's what I saw it somewhere hanging up somewhere. Is that the one? That's not the one. What do they have up in New York? I know they got a big one up there. Is that an original one? Or is that just something that somebody built? Where in New York? Uh, at the I'm sorry, at the set tour. I think that's that, just one that somebody built. Oh, okay, because it looks pretty nice too. Um, the one from the one at the Air and Space is the actual shooting model yeah. from the original series. Yeah, and since its restoration, it's been restored to have all the wires on the mm-hmm. on the port side on the uh, the secondary hull. Yep. Um, which it didn't it didn't look that way when I saw it twenty years ago. Yeah. They had cleaned it up, and so you could have a, a beautiful shot from all sides. Yep. Make sure you get some pictures. Um, of that big black of that big big case. Acrylic case that it's in. Oh, oh yeah, glass, absolutely. glass case. Yeah. 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 That's kind of too bad that they have a case like that because as people that have posted pictures of it, there's lots of reflection. It's like an Abrams movie. Even 20 years ago, it was in a giant case. Yeah. I imagine they do that to help protect it from idiots yeah. like oh, you. Yeah. Yep. Well, and me. Or you, so you don't drop it. Right. Yeah. I, I couldn't lift that, Dan. I'm a weakling. Oh, that's true. Um, I'm not like you. <laughs> I'm not super strong. Uh, yeah. I don't make things go. <laughs> we want more. <laughs> <laughs> your, your face wants more. That makes no sense at all. I I know. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I know. But, that, but that's okay. It's it's always good to talk to you because I learn something new every day. Really? What did you learn today? I learned about werewolves yesterday. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you were you you can't just drop it like that. You kind of have to set the context. Right. Well, we were in line at uh, to go into the gym at at uh, Dynamic Strength and Conditioning down in Nashua, and which we always do. It's a great place. And and you and and Kelly were in front of us, and and I was wearing my Monster Mash purple T shirt, which is basically Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and Booberry, and it's a it's a great little little Halloween historical shirt, and I love it because I love the I love those cereals. And we started talking about them. And then we were talking about the ones that aren't normally seen very much. And I said, you know, there's a werewolf one, right? And you're both looking at me kind of crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's called Fruit Brute. And it had a werewolf on the box. And I'll let you take over for your what your wife had to say about it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to let you finish it. Oh, I don't even remember half of it because she was talking about werewolves in my butthole. Which has some phrase of some weird show that you guys watch or some it's podcast or YouTube video or some if you had craziness. A- I'm just upset that you talked about the werewolf that I have in my butthole. Nobody's you, supposed to know about that. If you had paid attention, you would have real- realized it was an Instagram video about this kid. I got the link right here on my phone. Singing a song called What's Inside Your Butthole. Yes. And they, this kid That's just threw the song. She's behind you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> And you know it's it, and 
it just, it just makes up this song on the spot. And it's like, maybe it's an astronaut. Maybe it's, maybe it's what, honey? Maybe it's a spaceship. Oh, great. Whatever. Now she's on the podcast this week. You actually watched it and responded to it. <laughs> did you hear I, that? I, uh, maybe I did watch it and didn't feel like responding to it because my feelings were hurt. I doubt it because you never load up Instagram because you hate it. <laughs> the link she sent me was YouTube, I think. Wasn't it? I think it was. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. She just said you have no excuse and you said thank you. You're a moron. That's all right. No, because she sent it to YouTube because she knows I'm an idiot and don't know how to use the other one because it's dumb. Your face is dumb. <laughs> I did not. Please let her know that I didn't call her dumb because she'll hurt me. He called you dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so this became, Dan, why do you have a werewolf in your butthole? Yes. And then I proceeded to tell our trainers that, hey, yes. you should ask Dan about the werewolf in his butthole. Every station, somebody came up and, and Delane was dying laughing. And I just said, I just told it to one. Yes. Well, the worst one. And they filtered it through the rest. That's your words, not mine. I happen to like Chris very much. Oh, I love Chris. He's just a big mouth. No. Um, (laughs) And that's fun with this kind of stuff. But it was fun. Dan, you really shouldn't keep them in there. You should let them out to breathe. And the the whole thing about, I guess the word, I can't remember the part of the story because everything else got so, you know, put together and it was so funny. Kelly was talking about something about something as a kid that she said brute that made her think of a werewolf or something like that. I don't I don't remember all of it, but the whole thing was hysterical. It really was funny. I got fruit brute in my butthole. Oh. <laughs> Werewolves butthole. I just got a notification that I'm offline. Oh. And now I'm yeah. back online. All well, right. there you go. Okay. I don't I think, think maybe my stuff. werewolf call um kind of pretty bad. I don't better than yours. Oh. Much Werewolf. better. Or, or as I told you yesterday, and you were like, what the hell? I have a habit of doing lyrics incorrectly, which is no surprise. I For years and years and years, because as we talked about earlier, I am an idiot. I thought the lyrics were Werewolves of Thunder. Warren Zevon is rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> there was another one. Oh, the other one was Rolling Stones the other night where... We're ta- we're listening to something. I can't remember which one it was now, but I started saying, uh, "Oh yeah, <clears throat> we were doing. We were talking about something." And and uh, and when I was in the shower the mor- that morning, uh, the the song by the Rolling Stones was on. I'll get to the to it in a second. And then later on, Sue and I are talking, and um, I accidentally called my neighbor Angel instead of Crystal. And she Sue's looking at me, and I'm like, "Angel, where did that come from?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I was listening to." Uh, Angel came on the radio this morning when I was taking a shower by the Rolling Stones, and she's looking at me. She's going, she's going, what? And I'm like, you know, Angel, Angel. And she goes, that's Angie. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, my entire life I've been singing it as Angel. That's <laughs> just that's what I do. It's like in Stairway to Heaven. I used to say the wino down the road instead of the real lyrics. This has been the longest outtake <laughs> ever, and only about half of it's been tolerable. But so, people just know how stupid I am now, so it's all worth it, right? I don't. I don't think there was really ever any doubt in my mind. <laughs> you know, here we are, what two hundred ninety four episodes in. Yeah. I, it, it's not now they've discovered us. <laughs> now it's just they're like, wow, he's really worse than we thought. No, I think <sighs> they figure that your decline is pretty much on par <laughs> with with the projections. All right, I'm done. <clears throat> oh, thank you. <laughs> Are you okay? You sound like you're going to die. You sound like me a few weeks ago. I'm going to start coughing in a second. I'm trying not to. (sighs) Anyway.
Yeah. Feels back. That's not what we're recording Trekkies for, is it? Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm ready. Are you? Yeah, I knew that's what you're going to ask. See, I was I was anticipatory, which is a real word. It is, but I don't think you used it in the correct tense or context. That's fine. Uh, so what? What do I use any English language in the right context? There's only one English language, and um, I would say you never use it. <laughs> And before people at me, yes, there is one English language. There are a lot of different words and variants, but um, the English they speak in the UK, while it may have different words and meanings, is still English. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is fun. No, for you. Let's go. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay, we're done. Dummy.